When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This is episode number 35 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your involuntarily celibate host, Leroy Luna, and I'm coming at you straight out of my closet with a tale involving some promiscuous passengers. It's going to get hot and heavy. I was just joking about being an incel. Well, sort of. I'm just not nearly as adventurous as the people in this story. I actually wasn't going to do this one at all, because I covered it in a 60-second TikTok video. It only received about 500 views, though, so I figured, why should I let that stop me? Plus, I couldn't cram all the details I wanted into a one-minute segment. TikTok, by the way. Sorry I announced I was on there a while back. Got all excited, posted nine videos. Then I just kind of quit. Haven't made one in about two or three months. I'm going to get back on there soon. I just wasn't happy with my technique. My style, so to speak. So I'm going to come up with a bit of a different strategy and get back on that wagon. Maybe I'll even start dancing and eating wacky food combinations. Those videos always seem to do well. Oh yeah, and I wanted to give a quick shout out to my girl Susan. When I posted the latest episode on Facebook, she commented, quote, My 12-year-old granddaughter listened to this with me yesterday in the pool. She laughed so hard and said Leroy was cool. Smiley face. End quote. 
I don't know why, but whenever someone says they listen to the show with their teenagers or young kids or grandkids, it always makes me smile. So shout out to Susan and her granddaughter. Thanks for listening, ladies. Alright, with all that being said, this episode, as you can probably tell by the title, may not be the greatest for listening with youngsters. Things are going to get a little awkward. One guy in this story is going to have a very filthy mouth. And I say that not because of the language that comes out of it, but more so because of what he'll be putting into it, if you know what I'm saying. But before we get into all that, I have a couple jokes for you before we hop on this crazy train. I got these from a site called worstjokesever.com. The first one goes a little something like this. What's the difference between your teacher and a train? Well, you see, your teacher tells you to spit out your gum, but a train says (laughs) choo-choo. Oh, what's that? You didn't like that one? Hmm, tough crowd. That's okay, because this next one is sure to be a crowd pleaser. Hey, did you hear about the Mexican train hijacker? Yeah, they say he had loco motives. You know what that sound means. Let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. I promise to suck you off before... What? I mean, I mean, get you off. I promise to drop you off at a reasonable hour. There we go. Nailed it. Episode number 35, Sex on a Train. I've always enjoyed riding trains, staring out the window at all the scenery, rivers, fields, bridges, walls covered in graffiti, lakes, beaches, staring into people's backyards, forests, hoping to spot a dead body or perhaps a murder in progress. You know, the usual stuff, nothing too wild. When my wife worked in downtown Toronto for about a year, she hated it. The train was always busy. It would take forever to get to her destination. But hey, she was commuting to work, and no one really enjoys doing that. For me, taking the train meant I was visiting my dad or my cousins, maybe catching a sporting event, or going out on the town to have some drinks with my buds. It meant an adventure was on the horizon, something fun. While our subjects today weren't really going anywhere interesting, it wasn't about that. You see, for them, life was all about the journey not the destination. Okay. Our journey today takes us across the pond to London, England. Let's narrow it down to Basildon, which is the place where the not-so-juvenile delinquents in this story hail from. Basildon is a fairly large town with a population of 107,000, and is located in the county of Essex. It's 26 miles east of central London. Is Basildon a safe place to live? Well, I looked into it, receiving conflicting results. CrimeRate.co.uk claims, quote, 
Basildon is the most dangerous major town in Essex, and is among the top 10 most dangerous overall out of Essex's 319 towns, villages, and cities. The most common crimes in Basildon are violence and sexual offenses, with 6,714 offenses during 2020. End quote. On the other hand, DestinationScanner.com says, quote, The town of Basildon is quiet and safe with a relatively low crime rate. Even in less desirable neighborhoods, you can live quite safely with little risk that you'll be a victim of crime. Okie dokie. So, you know, not the greatest place to live if you're in the county of Essex, but compared to the rest of the world, in the grand scheme of things, the big cities and all that, not overly dangerous. Keep your head down and your nose clean. You'll probably be alright, but as with most places, if you go looking for trouble, you'll have no problem finding it. Let's meet the key players here, Raymond and Deborah. Right away, this made me laugh. If you're familiar with the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond, which follows the everyday life of sports columnist Ray Barone and his dysfunctional family, those were the names of the husband and wife on that show. Deborah! That's my Raymond impression. He was very... <laughs> he was very monotone. Anyways, the adventure our Raymond and Deborah embark upon is unlike anything you'd ever see on that program. Great show, though. Raymond is 64 years old and Deborah is 57. So they're no spring chickens. We'll get into their physical appearances a little bit later. The interesting thing about Deborah here is that she is newly widowed. Her husband recently passed away. We're not sure how long ago that was. Couldn't get that info. If they were married for 30 years, recently could mean he kicked the bucket a year or two ago. Or who knows, maybe his body's still warm and he's laying on a concrete slab in a morgue somewhere. Regardless, Deborah is trying to move on, get back on that horse. So she has entered a relationship with Frisky Raymond. And they are in the exciting early stages where they can't keep their hands off each other. They're out in London painting the town red. Having a grand old time. Doing a little daytime drinking. Love it. It's late spring, sometime in May of 2019. A beautiful sunny day. The birds are chirping. It's one of those days you want to spend in a dank, dark pub getting absolutely shit-faced. And that's exactly what they do. In reality, they probably stuck to something basic, tossed back a few pints, or maybe got into the hard stuff and had some whiskey. But since these horn dogs are a very sensual couple, I thought, hey, why not take this opportunity to explore some drinks more sexual in nature? Perhaps they were drinking Harvey Wallbangers, or the classic Sex on the Beach, which is a delightful cocktail containing vodka, peach schnapps, orange juice, and cranberry juice. Then I went to a site called sloshspot.com, where I discovered the perfect drink for Raymond and Deborah called the Suck, Bang, and Blow. It is over the top and consists of 13 ingredients. You got your one ounce of Jack Wynn's orange-flavored gin, one ounce of Rumpelmann's peppermint liqueur, two ounces of Goldschlager cinnamon schnapps, one ounce of Jagermeister herbal liqueur, three ounces of Jose Cuervo Especial Gold Tequila, one ounce of Hypnotic Liqueur, one ounce of Smirnoff Vodka, one ounce of Absolute Citron Vodka, holy crap, one ounce of Aristocrat Triple Sec, one peeled whole lime, five ounces of Strawberry Daiquiri Mix, two cups of Cranberry Juice, and one cup of sugar. Damn, that's a hell of a drink right there. 
Mix all those ingredients in a blender with ice. Serve in a hurricane glass, which is a glass that holds a ridiculous 23.5 ounces. Fill that bad boy up and enjoy. They say this is the final beverage of choice for every alcoholic on their way to AA. No doubt. Or for those sneaky dudes going out for a night with the boys. Hey, babe, you're not going to be drinking too much tonight, are you? Remember what the doctor said about cutting back? Yeah, don't worry, honey. I'm only going to have one drink tonight. (laughs) Alright, anyways. They had some drinks, then boarded the C2C train from London heading back home towards Basildon. They get on that train, and it's pretty crowded. It's now around 6pm, so basically rush hour. People are just trying to get home after a long day of work. Speaking of work, Rayman works his magic on Deborah. He's kissing up on her. The other passengers might think that's a little strange. They're around 60 years old. They're not teenagers. This isn't young love. But hey, maybe they think it's kind of sweet. After all this time, this couple, they're still very passionate and keeping that romantic flame burning. Or something like that. But then... Things quickly escalate from romantic to downright pornographic as Raymond gets down on his knees and starts doing the unthinkable. How can I say this without being too vulgar? Okay, I found a few slang terms from urbanthesaurus.org, so buckle up. Raymond got down on his knees and started licking the mango, going down the hall. He was on box duty, carpet munching. He was wearing the bib, eating some peaches and cream. Tossing the Greek salad. Actually, scratch that one. I can't confirm if Deborah had a yeast infection at the time or not. Anyways, you get the picture, right? While everyone else is going uptown, Raymond was going downtown on Deborah. This episode is going off the rails. The seating arrangements on the train, these are cramped quarters. This would be very uncomfortable. There's not all that much leg room on these trains. Raymond would have to be very committed, and at 64 years old, I'm sure his neck was cramping up pretty fast. Needless to say, the passengers on board were not happy with this situation. We'll get into that later on in court. As for now, let's just say people were trying to get Raymond to stop, but he wouldn't. He was a man on a mission. Didn't want to quit until the work was done. I think we can all respect that. Now, I know I may have gotten carried away with all the slang terms earlier, describing what Ray was doing. It's awkward to just come out and say it, so I apologize for beating around the bush. A couple of the news outlets this story came from, though, they are no better with their descriptions. Personally, I'd say they're even worse. The Daily Star said, quote, Deborah was also digitally penetrated by Raymond in the quiet carriage. End quote. <laughs> Barf. But hey, you gotta love a guy who's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Eventually, with everyone gawking at the couple and telling them to cut it out, Ray and Deb cut the ride short and depart the train at Pitsy. A train officer also got off the train and followed them. He wasn't going to let them get away with this, not on his watch. So he confronted the couple, asking for their names. Ray, he obviously has no shame and was probably proud of himself. He gave up his full name without putting up a fight. Raymond Burr is his name, by the way. Not to be confused with the Hollywood actor who enjoyed a lengthy career and was well known for playing the role of Perry Mason. Deborah, on the other hand, was a little craftier, giving the officer the fictitious name Janet Green. But it didn't matter. She was busted. There were just too many eyewitnesses, not to mention they swabbed Raymond's mouth and were able to get her DNA that way. 
through secretions and one of her pubic hairs that was lodged in the back of his throat. <coughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Gross. Her real name is Deborah Tobin. Later on, when they were taken to court, Raymond pled guilty and Deborah pled not guilty at her first court appearance in June. Then she gave in and changed her plea to guilty when she went back in August. Here's what Patrick Duffy had to say. Oh, Patrick Duffy is the prosecutor. Not to be confused with Patrick Duffy, the actor. Known for his roles in the TV shows Dallas and Step by Step. A lot of Hollywood connections in this story. <laughs> Crazy. Duffy said, quote, The first witness was with her grandson. There were children in the carriage, confirmed by the second witness, who said there were children aged between one and six on the train. It was lewd behavior. End quote. Lewd behavior indeed. It's fun to joke about this ridiculous situation, but if you put yourself in a passenger's shoes aboard the train as a witness, can you imagine? An older couple gets on the train, they sit down, they're feeling each other up, they reek of booze, the old man gets his head down there and starts going to town on the lady. Maybe they're trying to be discreet about it, I'm not sure. Raymond looks like a bit of a showman, so he may have enjoyed an audience. There were probably slurping sounds, who knows. There's a lady with her grandkids on the train. The grandma was probably the same age as Raymond, for God's sakes. Talk about leading different lives. She's with a baby and a six-year-old. The baby doesn't care, but this is not something a six-year-old should be witnessing. He should be learning about sex when he's a little bit older. Staring at a porno magazine with a few of his buds out in the woods or something. Just a really awkward situation. People were trying to get him to stop, and he just said no. So weird. Okay, let's get to the judge's decision here. She took everything into account, and here's what she had to say on the matter. Judge Julia Roberts, quote, just kidding. <laughs> Judge Samantha Lee, quote, It's deeply unpleasant, but I'm well aware of the age and the lack of previous convictions. They are both adults, and they are capable of making their own decisions. She then addresses Ray and Deb specifically, quote, You were traveling back from London on a C2C train when you engaged in lewd behavior. One of the witnesses had her young grandson with her and could see what was going on. She stood up and spoke to you. She asked you to desist, but you didn't. There were other children in the carriage, and 6 p.m. is a busy time. You were both drinking at the time. End quote. She was kind of just spouting facts there at the end. Obviously, the judge was looking at this case from all angles, which is nice to see. Not everything is black and white, and they should always base their decision on the circumstances. They didn't have criminal records, they were drunk, Deborah is recently widowed, etc. All determining factors. In the end, the judge did the right thing. She was firm but fair. She didn't give Ray and Deb any jail time. They did something that was extremely inappropriate, but in my opinion, they aren't criminals, and putting them in jail wouldn't really solve anything. Jail should be reserved for dangerous offenders. Some of you may disagree with that and feel like they got off easy. And hey... You have a right to that opinion. Anywho, no jail time. But they were still punished. Raymond received an 18-month community order. A community order means your punishment will be carried out in the community instead of prison. Had to look that up. Ray had to do 100 hours of community service and a 30-day stint in rehab. Not bad. Deborah, on the other hand, received a two-year community order. She had to perform 150 hours of community service and 40 days in rehab. The punishment is fine, but I thought it should be the other way around. Why did Deborah get the harsher sentence? 
10 more days in rehab and 50 more hours of community service. When Ray was the one servicing her, he was the aggressor in this situation. He was the one that didn't stop when he was asked to. Deb was just there enjoying the ride. Strange. Also, the fact that Deb was getting over the death of her husband, that should have been a mitigating factor. We all grieve in different ways. Maybe the judge thought she needed a little extra time in rehab, perhaps to get her life back on track, and that the community service would be an enjoyable experience for her, giving her a sense of purpose. Maybe it was all for her own good, and hopefully that was the kick in the butt she needed to get herself back to normal. Reality check. There's a picture of Deborah out front of the courthouse on her cell phone. She's wearing a black pantsuit. She's thin with shoulder-length blonde hair. She looks fairly normal. But Raymond, oh Raymond, he looks really angry in this pic. Which, I get it. He knows why he's being photographed. I mean, the caption under the picture says, Raymond Burr, 64, performed oral sex in front of shocked commuters. (laughs) Would have been better if he just embraced it leaned into the role of sexually depraved villain. Like, yeah, I did it. Then posed for the camera with his tongue waggling out of his mouth. You know, in between two spread fingers. You know the pose I'm talking about. (laughs) Ew. Okay, so Ray is thin, with a face like a leather bag, sporting furled little eyebrows and a large, bulbous red nose. Definitely a drinker. He's also got a baby skullet hairstyle going on. Bald on top with gray hair on the sides. And you can just see a tiny bushel of hair blossoming around his neck. A typical mullet would be described as business at the front, party at the back. This is more like an abandoned office building at the front with a small social gathering at the back. He tops off the look with a blue suit and button-down shirt. It almost looks velvet. It's actually really nice. But with a face like Raymond's, it's hopeless. Like trying to polish a turd. The Daily Mail comment section was rather harsh on the pair. Let's check in on what they had to say. Hiram and Firem said, quote, Judging by his face, it looks like he caught something. <laughs> I agree. He should probably get tested by a doctor. Snooty B, quote, Fortunately, I read this on an empty stomach. Otherwise, it would have been emptied at the sight of that pair. End quote. Kind of rude. And finally, Surrey Sarah says, She probably couldn't bear to look at his face, so she hid it in her privates. (laughs) I feel sick even looking at him. End quote. Ah, the poor bloke. Hey, say what you will about Raymond's appearance, but one thing that can't be denied is, he got game. I tried to find a name for having sex on a train and couldn't find one. Maybe it doesn't exist. Yet. Now I know Ray and Deb didn't have sex in the classical sense. Oral still counts though, right? Obviously, when you make love on a plane, you join the Mile High Club. I think that's a universally known term. Which, by the way, who does that? A private plane would be easy, and you'd have to do it in the cockpit. I mean, the name speaks for itself. But as a passenger on a crowded flight, I always wondered how people do that. Because the bathroom is the only place you can get any real privacy. And anyone I've been in, they hardly even have enough room for one person, let alone two. Plus, it's kind of gross in there, and there's people waiting in line outside of it. Maybe next time I'm on vacation, I'll go in there, sit on the toilet, and rub one out. Join the Mile High Club. (laughs) Would that count? Because that's the closest I'm getting. What a sad sight that would be. I was also on Reddit, and somebody asked the same question about sex on a train. Seems like there's not an official name. A guy said, I had sex on a train once. And another guy replied, was it in the caboose? Yes! That made me laugh. 
As for names, I'd call it joining the train gang, maybe. It's about all I got. The most popular answer on that thread was the Mile Long Club. It's not bad, but it doesn't really excite me. Doesn't matter, though. Because it's just another club, unfortunately, I'll never be a part of. And on that sad note, we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 35, Sex on a Train. I don't know about you, but I am in desperate need of a cigarette after that one. And I don't even smoke. I used to ride the bus a lot. And this episode made me kind of miss the wacky people and strange situations you can encounter while taking public transit. As usual, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing that sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. You know what time it is. Listener confession time, baby. So let's get criminal, criminal, I want to get criminal. Oh, hi, it's me again. I'm receiving plenty of written stories, but I want to hear your beautiful voices, people. So please don't be afraid to record them. Maybe I'll get one of my pals to read these just to mix it up. Get a fresh voice in here other than my own. But for now, you're just going to have to deal with me. Okay, ahem. This one comes in all the way from Purvis, Mississippi, via our friend Amber. So here goes. When I was 18, I had a job at a gas station that stayed open 24-7. We were taken over by another corporation, and to save money, they decided that they only needed one person on staff per shift. Well, I worked 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. On my third shift, by myself, a sketchy man walks in and goes to the drink case, comes back and puts an OJ in front of me. I ring it up, and the next thing I know, he has a gun in my face and his hand in my register. I actually did not notice the gun at first, and I swatted his hand away, going, Stop that, silly. Then noticed the gun, and I jumped back while he emptied the register. He then said, Okay, just shut your eyes and count to ten. I said, Sure, and closed my eyes and started counting out loud. When I got to two, I cracked an eye open and saw him drive away. I panic-dialed 911 and then just fell apart. I would hate to hear that call. 911, what's your emergency? Then nothing but blubbering on the other end. But the lady understood when I said robbed and only gas station in our hillbilly town open at that hour. So she got me a shit ton of cops there, but quick. Turns out I went to school with the robber's son. He actually called me the next day and apologized for his dad, saying he was cracked out pretty good. The cops caught up with his dad a couple days later. He's been in and out of jail for years. Love your podcast, and please, keep up the good work. Thank you, Amber, for sharing that harrowing story with us. Sounds like the man was desperate and just needed some quick cash to feed his addictions. I'm glad he didn't get violent. I'm sure he had no intentions of using the gun, but anytime some unstable person pulls a gun on you, who knows what can happen. I would have pissed my pants. I do like how your first reaction was to push his hand away and say, Stop that, silly. Likely not a technique that would work too often with a gun-wielding robber. Pretty badass, though. I like your style. (laughs) Have you ever witnessed a robbery? Ever been robbed? Or better yet, pulled off a robbery yourself? Well, email me at excusemethatsillegal at gmail.com. And like our friend Amber, you too could have your story featured on the show. Speaking of shows, segue. Have you heard of a podcast called LA Not So Confidential? No? Well, you have now. 
Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott take a stab at true crime from a very different angle. I stumbled upon this podcast a couple months ago, and I've been gobbling up the episodes big time. It's not so much the cases they cover that sets them apart from the rest, but their experience and vast knowledge that takes this show to a whole nother level. But I'll let them tell you all about their interesting backgrounds in a moment. As for myself, you can meet me right back here in another 10 days for more softcore shenanigans. Peace! Alright, take it away, doctors. I'm here to tell you about LA Not So Confidential, the forensic psychology and true crime podcast brought to you by me, Dr. Shiloh. And this guy. Hi, I'm her bestie and co-host, Dr. Scott. She was a cop and I was a Hollywood casting director. Now we're both forensic psychologists working in Los Angeles. We met while doing our internships working with sex offenders. I know, right? Twice a month, we bring you a classic or contemporary true crime story while applying real psychological concepts and dishing about entertainment's representations of those crimes. Subscribe now to L.A. Not So Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. True crime, psychology, and snark. Trust us. We're doctors. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.